book of Joel, chapter number 1, and verse number 1. The Bible said, The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and, the, and their children another generation. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you this morning, God, to touch my heart, touch my mind, touch my lips. I pray that you give me wisdom beyond myself, not for to the elevation of this old wicked flesh, but I pray for the glory of God. I ask you to speak to us and speak through us, and I pray the word of God would have free course, save the sinner that's nearest hell this morning, and I pray that you reclaim the backslid, encourage the discouraged, and strengthen the weary, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to draw your attention to verse number three here in just a moment. But as I said just a while ago, a few a week or so ago, preaching the last message I preached here was out of the uh, last few verses of the third chapter of the book of Joel. And this morning, I want to preach out of uh, the first ver- few verses of the first chapter here. And when we think about Joel the prophet, it's amazing, this little book, how that God has so much to say in just this little book. When you think about the book of Joel, there's three ways that to look at this book. First of all, we ought to look at it practically, uh, and that is is what is happening in the prophet's day. If you think about Joel, he takes the event that happened in his day and used it as an illustration uh, to portray what would be a coming event in a future day. And so we ought to look at it practically as the prophet saw it in his day. Then we ought to see it prophetically uh, as that we would look at it in the future days. Joel is not just talking about as I said what happened in his current day, but he's looking ahead to a coming day. And so we ought to view this book uh, uh, practically in the prophet's day, prophetically in the future day concerning the nation of Israel. Uh, But then we ought to look at it personally as to what's happening in our day. You know, when you think about the Word of God this morning, when we see it practically and we see it prophetically, uh, it's talking about the interpretation of the text. But we can always take the principles. We can always take and make application uh, to something that is in our day. I think we do no damage to the Word of God. In fact, interpretation will always bring some form of application in our life. Amen. And when with that thought in mind, look with me in verse number one. I want you to see the prophet here. The Bible said the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Notice this about the prophet this morning. Notice in verse number one what it's not about concerning the prophet. In other words, this verse here does not emphasize his personality. Even though his name is mentioned, the name Joel is mentioned. In verse number one, as well as the book, it's not about Joel himself. It is not about the personality of the prophet. It is not about his parents even though his father is mentioned in verse number one. This book is not about his father. His ministry is not about his father. It's not about the place for the place that he was born is not even mentioned in verse number one. We know that Joel here as we think about him he was living no doubt in the ninth century during the days of Elijah but the emphasis of verse number one is not about his personality. It's not about his parents. It's not about even his place, uh, but it's about his prophecy. It's about the word of God. The Bible makes that clear in verse number one. The word of the Lord that came. Amen. I said all that to just simply say this. Uh, We're living in a time when so many preachers uh, make much about their personality. They make much about themselves. Uh, They promote themselves. Uh, But the Bible never elevates the personality of man. It always elevates the word of God. 
God. In fact, the Bible says uh, uh, that he's magnified his word uh, above his own name. Now, I want you to think about this. Uh, if God would put the word of God above his own name, uh, how wicked it would it be for a preacher uh, to put his name above the word of God. And I see the prophet here. And then not only do I see the prophet, uh, but notice the proclamation here. What is the proclamation in verse number two? I want to say the proclamation first of all is to awake. Uh, notice the first two words. Uh, as the prophecy is, hear this. Amen. I want to tell you if I had anything to say to you in the introduction of this message, it would be hear this. Uh, hear what we have to say. Don't sit in church this morning uh, and listen, look through your uh, uh, social media account. Uh, uh, don't sit in church this morning and doodle on a piece of paper. Uh, I'm telling you, sit in church uh, and look beyond the man uh, and hear what thus saith the Lord. Uh, don't look at somebody to the left, to the right, uh, uh, but awake to what God has to say this morning. Amen. The proclamation is to away. The proclamation is to the aged. Uh, look what he said. Hear this, ye old men. He has a message for those that are seasoned in life. For those that have experience, for those uh, that have been down life's road, I want to stop and say this morning, we ought to pay careful attention uh, to those older saints in church. Uh, I thank God for those backlogs in the house of God, for those that have been faithful, amen? And while we need a younger generation, we must remind ourselves we cannot do without the older generation that has been faithful. And the message that's going out is first going to the aged, amen? The proclamation is to awake, is to the age, but then it's to all. Notice what he said in that verse. To all the inhabitants, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. In other words, uh, 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 Joel says, I've got a message for the age, but I want everybody to hear what I have to say. I'll tell you, if a preacher is preaching to the elderly, it's still for all. If he's preaching to the young people, it is still for all. And I notice this proclamation is to awake. It is to the age. It is to all. But then this proclamation is to ask. In other words, Joel says, I want you elderly to ask yourself this question. And I want you, I want all the inhabitants uh, to ask this question. Why? For it is an important question. And may I say this morning, it's not only an important question in Joel's day, but it's a relevant question for the day that you and I are living in right now. Look at the question that is asked here. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? In other words, Joel says to the elderly, those aged men, have you ever seen a day like the day you're living in right now? Have your fathers, do you remember them even seeing a day like the day that we are witnessing? Is that not a relevant question today? Brother, we're living in a time when, when we're seeing things and we're seeing days like we've never seen in this world before. And the question is that we ought to ask ourselves. It's a proclamation and it fits the entire book and it fits the day that we're living in that these are uncertain days for this world, but it's not uncertain days for the child of God. We that are saved know that we're nearing heaven's shore. We know that the Son of God is soon coming, that the church is about to get out of here. We're not uncertain about the events. We may not know what's happening in Washington, but we know what's happening in heaven. Amen. We know what's happening in the pages of the Word of God, but we've never seen days like we're seeing today. The proclamation. But then we come to our text this morning, the principle. 
What is the principle in verse number 3? The principle in verse number 3, Joel says to this younger generation. Number one, he says to the age, he said, reveal it. Tell ye your children of it. Let your children be aware of the day and the hour that we're living in. Let them know that these are uncertain days. To reveal it, to repeat it. He said, let your children tell their children. And then remember it. And their children, another generation. I want to take verse number 3 for a few minutes this morning. I want to preach on this subject on what, what a youthful generation needs to know. What every youthful generation needs to know this morning. The message this morning as it is said in verse 2 is to all. It's not just to young people. I promise you there's three things here in the book of Joel that Joel highlights uh, that every youthful generation needs to know. But it's not just to the young. We all need to be reminded of it this morning. It won't just help the teenager. It won't just help the young adult. It just won't help those uh, uh, that are just now upcoming. uh, uh, But it'll help every generation. Joel highlights three things uh, in these three chapters. I want to mention and be through this morning. Uh, First of all, I want to say the first thing that every generation, every youthful generation needs to know is they need to know about the power of judgment. Amen? The power of judgment. You see, that's what chapter 1 is all about. It's about God bringing down His judgment. And we need to tell this younger generation about the power of God's judgment. We need to tell them of the Word. As it's mentioned in verse number 1, that the Word of the Lord came. Hey, the judgment of God is not my word but the judgment of God is his word God is a God of mercy God is a God of love but he's a God of judgment amen and God brings judgment upon this world the Bible tells us that in the book of Psalms when it said the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God and I'm here to tell you this morning that God is a God of judgment when he comes back and he takes the church out we're headed to the judgment seat of Christ and then there's going to be the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20 and while the tribulation is taking place there'll be the seven seals judgment there'll be the judgment of the trumpets and the judgment of the vials Matthew 25 talks about the judgment of the nations hey in the book of Genesis God judged this world with a flood but now there's coming a day when he's going to baptize this world in fire and he's going to judge this world in fire God is a God of judgment hell is a place of judgment the lake of fire is a place of judgment. A God is a day is a God of judgment, and this world needs to know. These young people need to know about the power of God's judgment. Amen. Proverbs one and verse seven says, "The fear of the Lord is the is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. A fool uttereth all of his mouth." They don't have no guard. You can't tell a fool anything. Uh, fools make a mock at sin, the Bible says. Uh, they laugh at sin. I'm telling you, we're living in a day when nobody wants to be sober-minded anymore. I don't mean you can't laugh. I don't mean you can't have a good time. But even in our pulpits, uh, we've got clowns in our pulpits today. Hey, if I wanted a clown, I'd call Barnum and Bailey and I'd book Bozo to come. Uh, but well, listen, I don't want a clown when I go to church. Uh, I don't want a comedian when I go to church. Uh, this is a serious hour. 
we write about that. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy life. It doesn't mean we can't smile. It doesn't mean we can't even laugh. I know that laughter doth good like a medicine or a merry heart doth good like a medicine. But I'm here to tell you, friend, there's coming today, Proverbs 1 said, when God's going to laugh at their calamity, the only problem is it's not going to be funny. I'm telling you that God's judgment is on this nation and God's judgment is upon this country and God's judgment is even upon his people and it's an hour when we need to be sober minded amen we need to tell them of the word that God brought this judgment in chapter 1 we need to tell them of the witness that men saw it in verse number 2 we need to tell them of the wickedness in verse number 5 as he said awake ye drunkards and weep and howl all ye drinkers of wine because of the new wine for it is cut off from your mouth I'm going to tell you they were drunk on sin and they were drunk on wine and they brought this upon themselves God said sin did it in verse number 5 he tells them in verse 6 that a nation did it for a nation is come up upon my land strong and without number whose teeth are as the teeth of a lion and he had the cheek teeth of a great lion uh, you know what God did he brought my friend the Assyrians up uh, on the nation of Israel he brought judgment upon the land uh, and that's exactly what's happening to America today oh the Bible said in verse 7 that he hath laid my vine waste Israel was re, is referred to as a vine. She's referred to as a fig tree and barked my fig tree and hath made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made wide. Lament like a virgin, gird with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priest, the Lord's ministers mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourneth for the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languisheth. Does that not sound like America today? I'm telling you when everything is going high, uh, sky high, the oil is going up. Uh, I'm telling you food is, uh, is on the rise. Everything is on the rise. Uh, look at verse 11. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen. Howl, O ye vine dressers for the wheat uh, and for the barley because the harvest of the field is perished. Amen. Food shortage. <clears throat> Who did it, preacher? Did the Democrats do it? Oh, God did it. Did Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? No, God did it. I'm telling you, I know they're evil and I know they're wicked and I know they got the wrong agenda. I'm telling you this morning that the judgment of God is upon this nation. You don't murder a million and a half babies a year and get by with it. You don't legalize alcohol and pornography and same-sex marriage and the lottery and everything else and get by with it. You don't kick prayer and the Bible reading out of the public school and my friend bring in not education but indoctrination and my friend try to indoctrinate a younger generation uh, to be anti-God and get by with it. I'm telling you, lest ye that forget God, he said, uh, I'll tear you into pieces is what God said. Power of God's judgment. In this verse, we ought to tell them about it. We ought to tell them about the war. Look at verse number 6. I read it. That nation that's coming up. The waste. I read about it in verses 7 through 12. We ought to tell them the way in verse number 13 and 14. You can get out from that judgment if you'll gird yourselves and lament, ye priest. How? I'm telling you, listen. If you notice that, it starts with the leadership. The priest. If we're going to have revival, we're going to have to have it in the pulpit first. Is that right? Don't die on me this morning. I'm telling you this morning, we got to have it. I'll tell you, I think God's got a bigger problem what's going on in the pulpits today than he does the pews. 
Brother, I'm telling you, men preach uh, and they're not even called. I believe a man's got to be called to God. The Bible teaches a man has got to be called to God. Uh, but men get up now and it's a profession. It's a way of making a living. we got a lot of hirelings in the pulpit. They're more interested in a number on the board and a paycheck at the end of the week. Uh, I don't want to have everybody we can come, uh, but I don't want to have it at the expense of the truth. Uh, I don't want to compromise what God says. Uh, I'm telling you, we need spirit-filled men of God uh, like days of old. Uh, to walk with God and spend time in prayer and live clean and live holy and not live worldly and not live ungodly. You can't be of the world and have the touch of God on your life. But we got a lot of preachers today. They're just trying to fit in. They want to be some cool cat that everybody likes and everybody loves rather than walk with God and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Gird yourselves and lament, you priest. I'll say to every preacher here today, if you're a God-called preacher, you ought to act like a 24-7. Somebody say amen. How you ministers of the altar come, lie all night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholding from the house of your God. Sanctify ye fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. I'm telling you, you can't have revival without repentance. Amen? And the judgment of God's going to be turned away. Somebody, somewhere, is going to have to get on their knees and you're going to have to weep and have to pray for God in wrath to remember mercy. I'm telling you this morning uh, we need to, what's happening around this country it ought to drive us to our knees amen prosperity has destroyed every nation that ever indulged in it oh and Joel says in chapter 1 it's all about the power of judgment young people hear me this morning God's judgment is real it's on a national level it's on a public level and it's on a personal level this morning, if you get out into sin and you're saved, you'll face the judgment of God. If you're not saved and you get out there and you mock God and you make fun of God, you'll not get by with it. Galatians 6 and verse number 7 said, Be not deceived, God is not smocked. For whatsoever a man soweth of that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 13 said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 36. Jesus said, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment for by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31 still says it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God I'm just telling you what this book says the power of God's judgment is real and the power of God's judgment is on our very land it's in our nation all you gotta do is turn the news on pick up a newspaper read a head lines. Uh, look on the internet. Uh, the things that are happening are not chance and circumstance, uh, but it is God trying to get the attention of his people. Hallelujah. God's not trying to get Washington to wake up. They're blind as a bat. Somebody say me. Oh, I get burned up, I get mad, and I preach, and I burn their heart up because somebody still ought to cry loud and spare not. Amen? I'm telling you, God's indictment is not near as big with Washington and the White House as it is the church house. You can't wake up a dead man, but it's God's people that needs to be waking up. It's a judgment of God. It's on this land, and we're the salt of the earth. We're the light of this world. Hallelujah. In the midst of everything, young people hear me well. 
You need to know about the power of God's judgment. You get out of church, you'll pay a high price for it. You marry out of the will of God, you'll pay a high price for it. You marry some old boy in my mind, I don't know why it's been on my mind the last few weeks. But it's really been on it for weeks. Don't you let somebody come in here that's been out there and wallowed in sin. And they've, they've tried everything and everybody. And after they've done everything they want to do, they want to find them a church girl or a church boy. Hey, I want them to get saved. Somebody say amen. And I hope they do. And I, I believe they can get saved. And I believe there's grace and there's mercy and God will give them somebody. But I'll tell you something, I wouldn't sacrifice some of my girls for somebody that wallowed out in sin. I'm not talking about a snare. I'm not talking about a fault. I'm, not, I'm talking about somebody just went out there and sowed their wild oats and got every kind of sexually transmitted disease they can get. And now they want to they settle down. And they don't want no God no more than nothing. But they want your daughters what they want. Or they want your sons what they want. I'm not sacrificing. I wouldn't sacrifice mine on the altar, my friend, of impurity for those. I want them to get saved. We own the gospel. But we don't own those that God have entrusted us with. And I'll tell you as a pastor, I don't care if it lips hell this morning. I'm telling you as a man of God, the responsibility of the pastor is to watch out for the sheep. I'll tell you, I don't want some wolf coming in under radar and taking out one of our young people and breaking the heart of some mom and dad that has labored and worked and prayed. Hey, I'm telling you, friend, you marry right, you marry pure, you keep it right, and you stay with God all the days of your life. The power of judgment this morning. And let me say very quickly, not only the power of judgment do they need to know about, but they also need to know about the pity of Jehovah. When you get to chapter 2 and verse 11, things begin to turn. And the Lord shall utter His voice before the army. Go back and read those other verses. For His camp is very great, for He is strong that executeth His word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? It's judgment after judgment. But we'll look at verse 12. Therefore... Also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. Don't let it just be an outward show of the flesh, but rend your heart and turn unto the Lord your God. Why? For he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Look at verse 18. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Look at verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause you to come down, from the, uh, come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain and the first month. You say, what are you saying preacher? Yes, this generation needs to know about the power of God's judgment, but they also know about, need to know about the pity of Jehovah this morning, that God is merciful and God is gracious. You've heard about the judgment of God, but you don't have to live under that judgment. You don't have to face that judgment. There is a way out this morning. There is mercy. There is grace. God will help you if you'll just come this morning. The forgotten message of today is the message of repentance. Because belief, the Bible says, you can't separate repentance and faith. And every time somebody does that, they get in trouble. They either lean one too much on one way or the other. That crowd that's all repentance, they make it almost into a work salvation. 
They make it hard. People make multiple professions of faith. Because they're always pushing one part of the message. Repent, repent. And that crowd that, that pushes just belief, just belief. It's all about intellect. And it's all about just one, two, three, repeat after me. There's no repentance. There's no, there's no heart uh, turning to God. It's just answer the right question, say the right thing, and you're okay. No, listen, you've got to preach repentance and preach faith. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, uh, it takes both. Uh, when I got saved, I didn't know what one was versus the other. All I knew was I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was going to hell. knew I could not saved myself in the best way I knew how. You know what I did? I came to Jesus. That's repentance. Amen. And I put my faith in the one that could help me. And that's belief. I'm telling you, friend, it's that simple. It's that easy. God is merciful as we've read it in the text. Both for the saint and the sinner. If you'll come, if you'll repent, you can find mercy this morning. I like what he said in verse 11. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing Behind him. Have you ever went to God in repentance? I'm talking about, we're all sorry and low down, but I'm telling you, have you ever went to God and got on your knees knowing that you messed up, knowing you failed, knowing you, you, you just flopped and, and you, you knew you repented and you knew you were sorry, you deserved a, a whipping? And in return, what did God do? He left behind a blessing. I'm telling you, listen, the Bible said the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. I'm telling you, there's times He's took me to the woodshed and then there's times He carried me to the table when I should have went to the woodshed but both of them had the same results it broke me to the point that I realized I was unworthy and that God was gracious and God was merciful I'm telling you sinner this morning it doesn't matter how far down life's road you went it doesn't matter how much sin you wallowed in God will forgive you this morning you can find mercy with the Lord others may never forget others may never forgive but the one that it's going to count with on judgment day he will be merciful He will be forgiven. He will forget your sin. Hallelujah. I like that old song. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. It's not that God can't remember. It's that he chooses not to remember. Sometimes people will say, well, we're just human and we can't forget what people, we can forgive, but we can't forget. Oh, no, you can forgive and you can forget. You say, how can you forget? My mind won't let me forget. I'll tell you how you can forget. Every time it comes up, you can choose not to remember. And friend, that's how you can forget. I'm telling you, if you're bringing up somebody's past, if you're digging up somebody's sin, you're nothing more than acting like the devil. Somebody say amen right there. I'm telling you, I've seen it destroy marriages I've seen it destroy churches the devil's the accuser of the brethren and if all you're doing is running around and accusing somebody of what they're doing you're acting like the devil himself amen well I hit a stump right there so let me back up and just come again I didn't stutter when I said it I'm telling you this morning nobody wants their sins to be brought up is that right this morning there are things in my life that's under the blood and I'm glad they're there to stay. And somebody, I may run into somebody that may bring it up. I'm telling you, God will never bring it up again. And the same judgment you use on others, God's going to use it on you one day. The Bible said, if you forgive not men of their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Some people can't find forgiveness with God because they have an unforgiving spirit.
If God could show pity, let's stop for just a minute. If God could show pity on, on Israel, you go back from Joel, read back through the Old Testament. We're talking about Israel committed some very heinous sins. God's people. They sacrificed their children on the fire. They committed all kinds of, of sexual sins that, that, that it would not even permit me. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to even talk about this morning. But yet God, after all the things that they had done, not just once, not just twice, but over and over and over again, God said there's coming a day. No matter what you've done, God said I'm going to pity you. And I'm running to your rescue. And I'm running to your aid. Oh, I don't want to look down my nose at Israel because I'm going to tell you something. He's done the same thing in my life. I'm telling you, I need the Lord's pity every morning I roll out of bed. For all the things I've done. I, you say, preacher, have you lived in deep, dark, gross sin? All sin is dark and all sin is gross in the nostrils of a holy God. I, I've not been out running with women. I've not been out drinking. I've not been out doping or gambling. I'm telling you, my friend, there's sins uh, that's lingered in my own heart in times past uh, where I had to find an altar somewhere uh, and get with God and say, oh God, uh, it's black and it's wicked and please... Uh, be merciful. I know it goes against the grain in this day and time. I'm telling you, listen, one of the greatest sins amongst us oftentimes, if we're not careful, is that we'll have the sin of pride. I'll tell you something this morning. I'm not a dopehead. I'm not a drunkard. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a whoremonger this morning. But pride. When God started naming things he hated, none of the things I just named to you were on the list. Seven things doth the Lord hate. And you know what tops the list? Proud look. Anytime that this old flesh feels justified in itself or better than someone else, God says, I hate that with a passion. You know what got the devil kicked out of heaven? A proud look. I've seen it in church. I've seen people look over at other people. Whew. Didn't mean to get into all that this morning, but anyway. God help us this morning. Hey, if God uses you to do anything, it's a very scary time after that. What you ought to do if God ever touches you to do anything, you better get low as fast as you can. Don't listen. Don't let that flesh raise up. It'll get the best of you. Well, let me close with this. Three things every young generation needs to know. Chapter 1, the power of judgment. Chapter 2, the pity of Jehovah. And then I want to say in chapter 3, the promise of Jesus. I love the way this book ends. And I'm not going to preach it to you because I preached the whole sermon to you a few days ago. Do you know how it ends? Oh, it's judgment all the way through and almost all the way through chapter 3, but it don't end in judgment. It ends with Jesus. They're down in that valley and everything's destroyed in that valley, I know. The captains and the kings, it's Revelation 19, had battle, had great battles in the end. It's not the last battle, but it's the great battle. 
Revelation 19, and everything comes and comes to an end, and we see all that. Revelation 14, 19 is mentioned in verse number 13. Micah 4 and verse 3 is mentioned in verse number 10. I'm telling you one thing after another we can read about. I'll tell you, when you get to verse number 16, the Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter His voice from Jerusalem. That's a sound of judgment. And the heavens and the earth shall quake. But the Lord, notice this, will be the hope of His people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall be no more strangers pass through her anymore. I'll tell you, the battle's over. The victory's been won. The enemy's been defeated. Oh, bless his name. There'll be no more war. There'll be no more battle. Thank God the blood will never run through the streets of Jerusalem again. Why? Because Jesus has come. I'll tell you, this world is coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and what this young generation needs to know is about the power of God's judgment the pity of Jehovah but there's a promise and the promise is the king is coming Jesus is coming oh child of God get ready a sinner you better get ready Jesus may come at any moment this morning as they get us a song ready I want to ask you this question If Jesus came before this invitation closed, are you ready? Where are you going to be in eternity? If your heart stops beating, if you draw your last breath, where are you going to be at? Oh, look at me, sinner. It ain't closing time. The Bible said it's high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering wantonness. Not in strife and envy. But put ye on the who? Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I'll tell you this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to get saved this morning. You've heard about it, you've heard about it, you've heard about it. But hear this this morning. Have you ever seen a day like we're living in? Hey, we don't know. I don't watch the news no more. Not because I'm spiritual, but because I'm carnal. If I watched the news, I'd probably shoot it with a shotgun. It just makes me mad because I I love America. And I believe in this great nation. And I know she's sin sick, but I still love her. And I thank God for the blood that was shed. And then a bunch of communist, liberal, socialists, they make me mad. So rather than be mad, I don't watch the news, I just read the Bible. But I want to tell you this morning, when I think about this world, the turmoil it's in, I am so glad that I can hold that Bible in my hand and say this world... It's not my home. It's not my home, Brother Laddie. It hasn't been my home for 30 plus years. It's not my home this morning. I'm passing through. I'm going somewhere. I don't fear death this morning. I'm like you said, I don't want to die. I want to, I want to keep preaching. I want to keep serving God. I want to be here for my wife. I want to be here for my my children, my grandchildren. I don't want to die, but 
I'm not afraid to die this morning. Because Jesus is coming. I want to go out in a rapture. I want the trump of God. Wouldn't it be something this morning if the trumpet sounded today and you didn't have to go to work tomorrow? Amen. Wouldn't it be something if the trumpet sounded? I think we've just, we've got so used to it. We don't believe it like we used to. Wouldn't it be something if you walked outside and started getting your car and across that Milky Way galaxy, the clouds rolled back and the sky opened up and before you could bat your eye in the moment, the twinkle of the eye, the last trump, the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this mortal shall put on immortality. And this corruptible shall put on incorruption. When this mortal shall put on immortality, and this corruptible shall put on incorruption, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. In the moment the twinkle of an eye, death is going to be swallowed up in victory. And standing in the presence of our loved ones in Jesus, 1 Thessalonians 4, you know what we're going to say? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is what? It's sin. And the strength of the sin is law. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How about it, sinner? You ought to be afraid if you're not saved because you're one blast of the trumpet away from eternity.